Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series. A narrative let's play adapted and produced by Revoke GM. Combining in-game audio with additional voice acting through dialogue and descriptions to improve your listening experience. Rediscover the amazing story of the 1999 cult classic isometric video game, Planescape Torment, like you've never heard before. You feel something. Light above your eyelids. Pain. A taste of copper. The smell of mold. Your eyes blink open. You know, I was just sitting there wondering if you were going to get up. And then you have to go and spoil my fun. <laughs> Welcome back, Chief. I hope you have all your memories this time. Uh, uh, feels like I've been strained through someone's bowels. You take in your surroundings. You are lying on a thin cot. A poultice is bound and drying around your waist. You seem to be in a small, humble dwelling. A number of herbs are hanging up to dry above a stove made out of some sort of petrified wood. Motes of dust and pollen linger in the space around you. The smell of bruised mint and the patter of stone draws your attention to a hunched figure working away at a pestle and mortar. This squat old woman looks like she has had all the color bled out of her. Everything from her hair to a shawl to a robe, all are shades of gray. The only splotches of color come from the herbs tied to her belt by the stalks that swoosh when she moves. Uh, greetings. The elderly woman turns and stares at you. And you notice the gray shades blanketing her body extend to her features as well. Her hair is a wispy gray, and her eyes are like chips of granite. She frowns when she sees you. Awake so soon? You don't know how to respond. Won't you introduce yourself? The name's Adan. It's all that comes to mind right now. Who are you? With a sly cackle, she wags her eyebrows. <laughs> Have you not heard of old Mebeth, then? The midwife of the square? Have you not now? She narrows her eyes. Well, now you have. For I be Mebeth. You're a midwife. Aye. I also set bones, right? Drive the cough out of the sick, yank out squealing stubborn babes, mend cloaks or a rag or two, make cures and herbs and other such. She squints at you, studying your scars. Now, you be known about me. What have you? What got ye into such a mess? I, uh, I, I was searching for someone. Uh... Farad. Farad? You watch as Mebeth spits once, (coughs) twice, three times, then follows it by making a semicircle over her heart. Oh, that ghoul turd! What should be wanting with the likes of him? I need to find him. Do you know where he is? He's not in Ragpicker Square, that much I can tell you. You need to find a way under the square to get to that turd spider's kip. (coughs) She spits again. Oh, Even talking about him leaves a foul taste, it does. He's under the square. She jabs a finger at the floor. Aye. He's buried beneath these piles of trash. Him and his boys. 
and a tough time you'd have digging him out of his nest. She shakes her head. Let be. Let be, child. Mebeth begins cutting and gently removing the dirty bandages from your waist. <laughs> Maybe I should. <coughs> you wince as you remember the knife piercing your stomach. He may have something of mine. I, I'm missing a journal. Do you have any idea where I might find it? Mebeth thinks. Oh, I haven't seen one. If it's in the square, which I doubt, since folks don't traffic much with books and the like, it's most likely been sold or stolen. Was it something important to you then? A magic thingy all glowing and sparkling with magic, eh? If so, you might never see it again. <laughs> I'm beginning to think I'll never see it again also. Mebeth removes the last wad of blood-crusted cloth, revealing a patch of clear skin. No damage, no scab. Not even a scar this time. There. Now, I'm sure you have better things to be doing than rattling your bone box with old Mebeth. What, what time is it? How long was I out? A few hours past Auntie Peak, by my reckoning. You didn't leave us too long. Slept like the dead for what little time it was, though. Do no dreams stirring yet. Uh, you know, I didn't have any dreams at all. Mm, nothing odd about that. Most dreams are shy. They fly away when the sleeper's lids open. No, but... Doesn't feel like I forget them. I don't think I dreamed anything. It feels wrong. Hmm. Dreams can make one great, but they have laid low just as many. Mayhap you're better off without them nettling you. Mayhap. But I don't think so. Mebeth snorts. Well, dreams or no, I'm not one to change the nature of a man. Good that your friend here dragged you to me. Looks like you could still use a bit of rest, Chief. Let's head to the flop house. Come on. It's not far from here. Very well. Farewell, Mebeth. Thank you. A small pang of loss hits you at the thought of leaving this hut. For the first time since waking up in the mortuary, even if so briefly, you feel comforted. Cared for. You head back towards the hive in relative silence. A dim glow radiates from a few dirty trash fires, surrounded by huddled vagrants. They take no notice as you skulk amongst the debris. You quickly find yourself back amongst the cramped streets of the hive. The meager light reflects off the windows of wealthier houses. Most of the streets, however, are a gloomy, purplish shade. As you walk the alleys, several rag-clothed boys, barely a score of years between them, approach you, bearing glowing colored lanterns atop pole staffs. The tallest of the bunch, his face scuffed and bruised, steps up front. Oi, governors, you heading out or heading on? Uh, Before you can answer, he cuts in. Oh, you look a wreck, Buck. Call keeping the flop house if he needs to rest. We'll get you there right safe. For a price, of course. You look to Mort for approval. Yeah, just, just keep those barbels out of my face, you hear me? Gone blind up here. How much to the flop house? A uh, copper for each of us makes three, plus one for each of you for the trouble. You hand the kid five commons. All right, off we go. They lead you a few yards around the corner and down a short alleyway that quickly opens out onto a square. In the center, a long, narrow building with a sign outside, the wooden cutout of a single bed. Here you go. Pleasure doing business, cutters. <laughs> 
Immediately, they scatter, giggling into the maze of streets. You cunning little scamps! You stand in silence, gazing up at the ring of the city above you. The sky has cleared somewhat, and you can see faint twinkling lights from faraway districts. Thank you, Mort. I... I I don't know what I would have done without you. Eh? Oh, you serious? Eh, don't don't mention it, Chief. (sighs) I I gotta get rest. My eyeballs are drying out. By the entrance to the flophouse, a man is urinating against the trellis of razor vine that surrounds the threshold. As you approach, he turns to you and tries to focus his eyes in the dull lamplight. He sways unsteadily back and forth, catches his balance for a moment, then manages a sickly, twisted smile at something just past your right ear. Good evening. He nods slowly, and with a phlegm-filled gurgle, a small green-colored trail of drool begins to drip from the side of his mouth, running into his scruffy beard. He looks like he's barely able to stand up, much less carry a conversation. Inside the flophouse, it's a chaotic jumble of bunks, benches, and bottle-strewn booths where patrons stave off sleep and mutter their mumbled chatter. The smell is a mix of dried sweat, stale beer, and musty sheets. However, despite this, there is a friendliness that seems rare and precious in this part of the city. A short, balding man is sat at a simple trestle table for what serves as the foyer desk to this humble dorm. His bushy brows are furrowed in concentration as he picks at what appear to be scabs on his large, bulbous nose. Greetings. The man doesn't bother to look up. Oh, yeah? What do you want? I have some questions. Oh, well, ain't that nice. He flashes you a sarcastic, yellow-toothed smile. And I'm sure you'll find your answers someday. But I've got me a business to run, so if you don't want a bed, then I suggest you pike off. Do you have a bed? Yeah, sure I do, Burke. If you got the jink for it. Nobody puts up here for free, except old Nestor over there, and that's only because no one's had old cold enough to mess with him. Who's Nestor? Well, Nestor's the balmy old sod in the common area. He hikes his thumb over his shoulder toward the back of the room at a cluster of small tables. Yeah, watch your step around him, Burke. He's not right in the head. Always rattling his bone box about his fork and all. I wish someone would do us all a favour and get rid of him. Why don't you get rid of him yourself? You don't think I've tried? I have. And look at what I get from the effort. He leans his face forward and points at the bleeding scabs on his nose. The balmy sodden and he bit me nose off. I could get rid of him for you. I'll tell you what, Cutter. If you can get rid of him for me, you can stay here for free as often as you like. Deal? Fair enough. I'll do it. Well, don't just stand around gawking, gets to it. He immediately returns to his scab picking. Can't you see him, a busy man? You leave the man to his hygiene and head to the common area where a few patrons are engaged in a drunken conversation most suited to the small hours of the day. It's it's strange how them horse folk sleep standing up, eh? Yeah, it ain't right. Uh, Must be right handy, (laughs) having four legs. No, I I do just fine with three. (laughs) One of the drunkards notices as you approach, and a gulping look of astonishment washes over his face. (laughs) Cleum! You what? Cleum, it's... uh, it's you! He slaps his hand to his brow. His look of deep confusion quickly turns to concern, and then embarrassment. Uh, I... I, I I thought I'd never see you again. It, it's been... Uh, uh, what? Uh, f- 
four years? Uh, you, you look... Uh, well, well, no matter. Uh, uh, say, uh, the, the, that, that c- copper I, I, I owed you is, is here. Uh, I promise. He stands to fumble drunkenly inside his belt pouch, his face a ruddy crimson. At last, he plucks out a small pouch of coins and with an apologetic smile stuffs a handful into his pocket and slides the remaining across the table towards you, crumpled felt bag and all. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm a little shy today, you understand? I, I, I would have returned it to you sooner, but it, it was as if you'd disappeared off the face of Sigil. I should be heading away now. Uh, Cleo. Uh, Fare you well. Um, He steadies himself, takes up his sword and hat, tips you an awkward salute, and stumbles straight out into the sigil night. His companion, uh, utterly confused, sits there open-mouthed before grabbing his tankard and loping off to a nearby bunk. Frantically pacing in the corner, you see an aging man in soiled and tattered clothes. His shock of filthy white hair sticks out in all directions, and his face encrusted with dirt and streaks of dried blood, is covered with grey stubble. Every few seconds he stops pacing and flails about suddenly, muttering and cursing as if assaulted by some unseen foe. He does not seem to have noticed you. Are you Nestor? At the sound of your voice, he whirls about to face you, his wide, staring eyes bulging in their sockets. He regards you for a brief moment then returns to his raving. No! 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 It's it, it's not you! Ooh, ooh. But soon, yes, soon! Uh, who are you talking to? The old man seems oblivious to your presence. Ooh, 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 you'll come! Yes, you'll come! And old Nestor will be waiting! Waiting? You, uh, who are you waiting for? Uh, waiting, yes. He plops down to the floor as if overcome by exhaustion. Long have I waited, waiting. He takes a deep breath and springs back to his feet. Wait forever if I have to. Do you hear me? Are you all right? No! Nestor's face turns beet red and his whole body shakes in protest. My fork can't leave without my fork. Ooh, ooh. Fork, fork, fork! Your fork? Fork? Fork! Fork! Can't go home without my fork! Nestor's frenzy reaches a violent crescendo. He begins hopping up and down maniacally, then suddenly stops, lowers his head, and runs headlong into a large wooden cupboard that stands against the back wall of the flophouse. Um. The force of the impact knocks the old man flat on his back. After a few seconds, he stands back up. A dazed expression on his face. Gone. Stolen. Can't go home without my fork. Uh, stolen, you say. Uh, Who took your fork? Nestor stares at you for a long moment, then begins rummaging through his pockets of his filthy tunic and produces what appears to be a dismembered ear. Judging by the stench and color of the ear, you'd wager that the old man has been toting it around in his pocket for some time. You have my fork, don't you? Don't you? Ooh, ooh. He holds the ear close to his mouth. Bring back my fork. Wait, wait, waiting. Ooh, ooh. He shakes the ear violently as he shouts into it. Until you bring it back, then I can go home. You back off cautiously, having no idea how to help this man right now, and approach the proprietor. I've got better things to do than hunt down silverware for a madman. 
How much for a bed? Yeah, it'll, it'll cost you five coppers. He wipes his dirty hand on the front of his even dirtier shirt and thrusts it towards you, palm up. Yeah. There's an empty bunk behind that screen. You with the goat man. <laughs> Damned it better if they're gonna use it. You trudge to the relative privacy of the screened-out dorm and see the tall figure of a four-legged creature stood before you. The lower portion of its body resembles that of a goat. However, just above its powerful forelegs, its shape takes on a more human appearance with a man's torso, arms and head, all of which are covered in colorfully dyed fur. The creature snorts angrily, but its eyes remain shut. Apparently, it's not a light sleeper. You leave him be and slump onto the empty bunk, exhausted. Day two, hour unknown. After being attacked by an unknown gang of thugs, more draggy, they're dead to the midwife's hut where she tended to me. Her name is Mebeth. She seems to have some skill in the arts of healing. She did not, however, approve of my search for Farad. His ill repute, as Dal put it, certainly precedes him. Both the dustman Emmerich and Shergrave, the leader of the gang of collectors, have tasked me in finding out where he's getting his near-endless supply of dead bodies. I may be closer to finding him, but I'm attracting attention being so clueless in this city. Thank you for listening to Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series, a Revoca GM production. To support the show and those involved, please consider subscribing to our Patreon or donating via our Ko-fi page. Links to both are in the description.